1: New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. BuyHeart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply.
0: Do you sometimes feel like life is controlling you and that crazy pace Feels so wrong somehow. Stay tuned. Our guest is going to share how to simplify. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co host, Jennifer L.W. Fink of BuildingBoys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of BoysAlive.com. Thanks for being our listeners, and thank you too for supporting our sponsors. Do you sometimes feel like a life is controlling you and that crazy pace of life just feels so wrong somehow? And even if it does feel like too much, it may feel impossible to choose what to include and what to leave out, especially after the holidays when there were perhaps too many gifts, too much food, and too many things on the schedule which feels overwhelming to us as the adults, but can feel even more overwhelming for our children. And that makes parenting not quite as fun as we'd like it to be. Our guest today has been on the forefront of the less is more approach to parenting and life. He is the author of many books, but is perhaps most well-known for simplicity parenting, using the extraordinary power of less to raise calmer, happier, and more secure kids. He is an author, family counselor, consultant to schools around social issues, and is a husband and father to two daughters, Welcome Kim John Payne.
2: Oh it's lovely to speak with you both. It's, it's very nice to be here. I've been looking forward to speaking with you.
0: So great to have you here. I'm wondering, let's just start at the very beginning. What were the warning signs to you that something needed to change? And we're talking 20 years ago at least. What year did Simplicity Parenting come out?
2: uh the first edition uh it's been through i think 20 reprints now but it's
0: um, incredible
2: yeah 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 and it's um in actually along those lines i think it's it's now 37 different languages so this is a this was in 2009 a second edition came out at 10 10th anniversary edition in 2019 okay Uh, yeah the book itself along with the other books uh, about about this as you were saying janet too much too soon you know just just the power of less the reason i'm thrilled that it's been uh so widely read but also in so many different languages is that it is a universal issue it Mm. does cross across cultural bounds it is everywhere so Mm -hmm. yeah that's the the journey of this book has been um unexpected in one way because to, to answer your initial question this started coming up for me way, way back when I was just a, you know, just an undergrad, actually studying psychology, and I'm, I'm okay now, I always add that, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm recovery almost. Um, I was working in a group home for violent teenagers who had been abused. I was doing that in the evenings. In the daytime, I was attending college, and uh, a gentleman there, Dr. Taylor, was talking about um, what is now known as PTSD but talking about it uh, um, out of a background of his own work but also um, exclusively with with veterans that weren't doing so well and yet i was thinking about the kids in my group home Uh, Uh totally he was describing the kids i was working with only they weren't combat veterans so so i think as a beginning point even though it's a, a funny old beginning point that was it because then when i went to at the end of the vietnam war and i was working in southeast asia and volunteering in refugee camps and so on there i saw it again nervous jumpy hyper vigilant overstretched um uh, kids who looked just like the kids in my group home and i thought okay all right and i started sort of putting those pieces together But then when I decided to study what is now a well-known field, but back then in the late sort of 70s, early 80s, mid-80s, it was not really known much, but I decided to try and dig into trauma and childhood. It was a Mm. very, very new field then. I started my own little um, counselling practice just west of London in the UK while I was studying. And there through the door came kids who were nervous jumpy hyper vigilant over controlling they looked remarkably similar to the kids in cambodia in in jakarta in my group home in my birth country of australia and so i started to think of it as the undeclared war on childhood really hmm. to, think to think these kids have been living in a war zone but but where is it and it was so hard to see where the war zone was because the uh, the overwhelmed family life had become the new normal. Even back then, it had become normalized. I see. That was that was the 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 sort of the trail the trailhead and the trail, which then you know through years and years of counseling practice, school counseling, educating, it became more and more obvious that um, children and particularly boys, I've got to add, were living in a child hostile environment that had become so ubiquitous that we'd stopped noticing it. Their yes. nervous systems were out of whack. Their sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous systems were out of whack. Um, they, they were in a state of largely many of the kids of amygdala hijack where um, the famous fight, flight, freeze, or I would add to that flock because I've worked with ah. kids, with boys in particularly boys in gangs. I would add to that the amygdala response is also that of flocking. And of clicking clicks, but particularly over controlling. I'd see boys, kids, but boys in particular, really trying to over control their environment because their nervous systems were saying, "Your environment is out of control; it's overwhelming you." The problem was, we had normalized the overwhelm, and so I started noticing this more and more and more, particularly in relationship to something actually very simple. Janet, I started. Uh, with colleagues figuring that, that that the overwhelm was coming cumulatively. It wasn't coming mm-hmm. with combat veterans uh, in very significant life-threatening events. What was building up was a cumulative stress toxicity within the amygdala and the, the, the memory of the reptilian fight-or-flight brain that was causing kids, and I've got to say boys in particular, was causing them to react almost like their life depended on it, only they were just being asked to put their coats on. Mm-hmm. And yet their, their fight, they would fight back so hard against some very, um, and the puzzle for parents and educators was very intense. For me, the answer to it was not complicated. It, it was to simplify it was to balance and dial back their lives. So we started doing that. And I can't tell you how many parents over the years and educators, uh, and particularly parents would say, I feel like I've got my boy back.
0: Mm-hmm. Since we're
2: dialing back, simplifying and balancing their life, I, I knew they could be good. I knew this could, this could work out. I knew that not everything had to be so hard, that, that there was such a lot of pushback. For some some temperaments push back. Other kids who are more introverted fall back and become stubborn and just will not do <laughs> to do.
1: I'm kids. laughing because I know that resonates with a lot of parents. They go, "Oh yes, that one is mine."
2: Well, one of the things boys do, and I've I, I've really noticed an uptick in this, is that they'll ignore. They'll simply not not register what it is they've been directed to do. Just block it out. That's 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 more that's a response. That's more the freeze response.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Freeze, that's more uh, a freeze response. I'm just not going to respond. But the um, what we did in simplifying these kids environment, maybe we can dig into that a little more as our conversation goes on. But something really interesting happened. Many parents noticed that their kids were just returning back to their quirky little selves. Like all kids have got their quirks. Mm -hmm. It it makes them so lovable and um, infuriating. (laughs) At the
1: same same time.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. But but what we started noticing is that the, the nature of that quirk, when too much, too soon, too sexy, too young, when the overwhelm started happening, that quirk became inflamed. And we become problematic and even a disorder so a disorder is an inflamed quirk Mm. but then see there's an answer to well i'll give an example and then perhaps the answers to this but but you know if a child's just a busy child just a, a motoric boy he he moves a lot he he's he's always wanting to do construct
1: touch take apart uh he has a hard time keeping his hands to himself because that's how he explores
2: right right it's like um it's 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 a new take on the on the i i think therefore i am with many boys it's i move therefore i am yes you you take away their movement sit them pin them behind a desk and they actually lose their sense of self which is a very very psychologically disturbing place to be if they're told to sit still because they then lose the ability to know who they are now
1: mm-hmm.
2: if there's a, a boy who who is very motoric in that way when he's being overwhelmed he starts to become agitated extraneous movement starts up movement that's unrelated movement that is is fragmented mm-hmm. but if the continues of the new normal of too much too soon the, um the supersized family life it's almost like parenting has become like a contact sport
1: Indeed.
2: if that continues then you end up with adhd i'm not denying that there are new, there's neurodiversity i'm not denying that there isn't a thing such as 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 hyperactivity which has become uh intrusive and, and very problematic but what i am saying is it doesn't have to be that way and, I, and again i don't mean to point a finger at a parent and say you did that. In fact, quite the opposite. I'm saying that if we normalize, if we denormalize stress, if we denormalize the the way too busy family life, what happens is that child slides back along a spectrum and just becomes quirky again. Hmm. You get you get your quirky little character back again where there's a lot of movement, but the movement is is not so problematic. But here's the thing, Jennifer, and as you mentioned this before, is that one of the things we noticed is um, that many parents would say, can I continue to simplify my kid's life? This is amazing. This is uh, um, many kids, many parents had had now, you know, lowered dosages or left behind, you know, we're not using, you know, methylphenidates or, you know, um, Adderall, Ritalin and the likes. And they'd say, can we keep doing this? I said, well, of course. And the thing that was very interesting is that the gift of the child started emerging. So that the quirk, a calmed quirk, is a gift. An agitated, fevered quirk is a disorder. We can take a lot of this back into our own hands. Does it mean that children aren't born into the world with certain tendencies? No, they are. The same is true for kids who like things organized. That's their quirk.
0: Mm -hmm. But you put them
2: under a lot of stress and they become very agitated if something changes. Put them under more stress and then you have a child with obsessive compulsive disorder.
1: This is true for adults too. I mean, as you're talking, I'm thinking about myself, right? And I may not be the, I'm certainly not an unbiased observer of myself, Mm -hmm but uh you know one of my quirks perhaps i'm a very thoughtful person i think about things i feel things deeply that can be a very beautiful thing and when i am under stress boy can i spiral myself down into a depression Mm -hmm. by obsessively going around and around and around so that is a really interesting concept that all of these quirks are on a continuum and our environment influences their expression.
2: And you know what, Jen, it's, and it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's really okay. If we, if we find ourselves moving, if, if our wish to think deeply is moving us into a place where we're getting stuck with that Mm -hmm. moving forward, it's really okay. But what's, what's important is to know that at that point, we need to dial it all back. At yeah. that point, we need to, if we can do the things we love to do, if we can do the things that decompress us, if we can do the things that that give us a, just that little bit more of a feeling of spaciousness, what happens? Um, and in my counselling practice, which I still have, you know, to this day, so it's very current, um, you see parents and kids move back into the quirk and then into the genius of the deep thinker.
1: Yeah.
2: Depthfulness. If you think about what, Jen, just to your comment, depth also leads us into deeper thoughts, layering down, finding empathy, finding those experiences. But depth, deep, it, it also relates to deep depression. Yeah. And so the depthfulness. That's a good example. Actually, I'm glad you raise it. It's um, it's a good example of there's a tendency and what makes this helpful is that when it starts to become intrusive and starts to become the 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 difficult sides of it start to then capture us we can be to some extent to a good extent actually in, in control of it and simplifying balancing having having more a balance between uh like like one mother actually years and years ago put up a calendar on her wall and she would She would put C days and S days. C days were calming days. S days were stimulating days. Mm -hmm. And she uh, had a husband who was really into razzing the kids up. She had three boys and really razzing them up and doing all kinds of exciting things. But then she had to put them to bed. Mm -hmm. So what she did is that she just said, look, if we've got a very stimulating day, an S day for stimulating, (laughs) The next day has to be a C day. If we lean too much into stimulation, the next day has to be C. Um, ideally, we want a C stroke S day. We want to we want a balance in the day. But if one day is, if we spend two or three days very calm and quiet, then yeah, off you go to a big baseball game. Yay, do it, do it. You know, we mm-hmm. will take his kids to monster truck car rallies. <laughs> so go. Yes. For it right go for it but but already plan a few calming days Uh, like do it on a Friday so you've got Saturday and Sunday calm before the boys go back to school so that they'll be that so they'll do okay Mm -hmm. Uh, that was a really interesting sort of practical example of how she went about this keeping the kids in their center zone because every child is born with you know, you, we look at them when they're in our arms in those first hours, thinking, "Oh my goodness, I wonder what you've come to do, little man."
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. What have you come
2: to do, and the more we can keep this in whack, in balance, um, the more we can do that. The more we give them the ground to do what they've come to do in this life, no more, no less than that. It's a, it's mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a beautiful thing we can do for our mm-hmm. kids the difficulty comes is when we look around our neighborhood, there are so many parents who have normalized what is not normal for a child's nervous system. Mm
1: -hmm. I want to ask a question before we go any further. What you're saying makes sense, but for people who have not been thinking about this and aren't used to, to thinking about this, and we started by talking about in some ways, this is similar to PTSD, it's this over hyperactive, um, hyper vigilant nervous system, and how busy our society has become and that this is universal. Help me out here, because I'm thinking about a generation ago in my family, my dad was born in the 1930s, and lived on a farm. And like so many people around here, then I mean, we're talking it's basically subsistence farming, you live on what you raise 10 children certainly no screens. I mean, they remember going to a neighbor's house to watch fights on the TV when TVs came out. So a much different pace of life, much more exposure to nature, but certainly that type of life had its stress. So how is what's happening now different and why is it affecting children more than those stresses where frankly, there were families dealing with, you know, do we have enough food? Can we provide for everybody?
2: the large and startling difference between that kind of stress and what we've got now is that the the nature of the stress now is unrelenting. Mm. The nature of the stress now is um, in, in your father's day and, and in my father's day, my father was born in the 30s as well, went through the depression you know, the economic deporting wars, you know, it, my grandfather fought in both First and Second World Wars. It was not easy. Right. The stress would peak and trough.
1: Peak yeah. and trough.
2: If you talk to these people, as I did, you know, because they're of of my my, um, uh, um, my father and grandfather's generation, there were moments, long, long moments, when there was quiet in the home. They would sit in the evenings and just read the newspaper.
1: mm mm-hmm.
2: They would sit they would sit at the table and, and there were moments where there was their, their, um, where their nervous systems would reset, definitely, without doubt reset.
1: I wonder if some of it also is without using the words, perhaps we all experience some cognitive dissonance in that this shouldn't be hard. We have all these luxuries. We have all these conveniences, and yet we feel stressed on some level. It's harder to recognize i think in those circumstances sometimes
2: what we have <clears throat> in 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 modern life uh, is 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 really quite wonderful in many ways it's just there's um it's just that we can't we can't have all that wonderfulness in in on a daily basis and in one go yeah it, it's it's really important to give the children the gift of anticipation that they can't have what they want to have right now Mm. A, a, a funny little st- a story, Jennifer. The, um, there was a mum who had was raising her kids simply. She had decluttered her environment and was raising them with balance and simplicity. But they really wanted a mountain bike, and they didn't have much money. The mum was working two shifts. She was a single mum. I often think it's a silly term. She was a double mum, double, mm. double everything. Yeah. Um, but um, they were going. They were driving by a. a, a um, one day and they saw out they saw a, a um like a garage sale and and one of the boys spotted an old 1970s bike this was only a couple of years ago but he spotted a 1970s dragster like with a big banana seat and great oh cool and, yeah right right yeah and, um, and said mom mom can we can we get that bike can we get it? and so she thought oh no i've just you know decluttered like oh so she, but she pulled up. Good mum, you know, like good for her. And there was this bike; it was kind of in bad shape. And there was another box of all these bits and pieces. She paid uh, five dollars for it, and the gentleman ch- uh, threw in to the deal a second one. And she thought, Oh, great! <laughs> <laughs> um, he was so delighted at the at the joy these little boys had in seeing this. So, yeah. what they did? One uh, one child was seven; the other was ten. And what they proceeded to do was renovate these bikes. They hmm. pulled them all apart. They took it all—the every last little piece. They broke them all down, just like their dad would have done if he was around. He, he was living in another city, and then they started to rebuild it. And they, and the mums did notice that there were little bits and pieces she didn't quite know where they'd come from. But but what these little boys had done is that they after school um would uh take a big detour home, the, the older boy who was allowed to walk home, um, via two places, but one of them was a bike store. And the young men who worked in this bike store kept everything in the Brandon box. And he would take pieces in and ask them how to fix it. And what they couldn't fix, they would give him secondhand parts that they'd sit there and renovate together. This is all like boys have a secret life.
1: Yes. And look at all they learned and discovered and connections and uh, self-confidence, sense of competence.
2: Community as yes. well. Community of men.
1: That heard. story just makes me smile because um, Kim, about a year ago, I moved out of the house that the boys and I were in for you know 20 some years. You can imagine, you know, 20 years um, I didn't do a great job of decluttering everything as we went in the top of the garage, there was a big attic in the garage. There were so many bike frames and pieces and parts because my boys did that same exact thing. And in my small town, occasionally people would put a bike on the curb that would say free. It might be broken. It might not. So many of these things got dragged home over the years. And the part of me that was always trying to stay on, I'm like, well, more stuff but they would take it apart and they would tinker and they
0: would build and they would create. That is totally worthwhile. More to this conversation after these messages, let me reintroduce our guest. He is Kim John Payne, author of Simplicity Parenting. We'll be back after these messages. As Mother's Day is coming around, I find I'm missing my mom more and more, and there's always questions and stories I wish I had asked her when she was still here. I do remember that I gave her a book once upon a time with questions for her to write the answers to, and bless her heart, she didn't answer very many, so that was really a disappointment. But fast forward to now and technology, and now we have mylifeinabook.com. It takes all those questions and stories and it puts it in a format that is sent to your person, whoever you designate, on a regular basis so that the prompts come, they're easily answered either written or voice-to-text, And they're captured by mylifeinabook.com. These family stories, this legacy that you want to leave for your children and your grandchildren. mylifeinabook.com. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom, your dad, your children this Mother's Day. Use our coupon code ONBOYS for 10% off. Go to mylifeinabook.com. And use On Boys for 10% off. Create that legacy. Carry on those stories. One of the most
1: challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet.
2: What these boys did is that as they were building these amazing bikes, other kids in the neighborhood would come, and other dads would say, "I totally remember those bikes, you know, And so the garage turned into quite a scene. And then um one day they came when they'd kind of finished, they came and they'd put it all back together again. And everything was working. The bike uh, was gone, and it came back uh, a couple of days later. And the mum sort of noted it, but, you know, she had a busy life. She was working double shifts. Right. And, and it came back with these amazing uh, paint job on it with flames up the side. The seat had been reupholstered. It just looked incredible. But Because apparently this little boy and, he, and his very little brother had discovered a motorcycle uh, Harley um, chop shop, it's called. Like a, a Harley, um, guys with big beards, multiple tattoos. And they had discovered this shop, they just walked right up to them and said, could you paint our bike like your motorcycles? And these Harley riders were so thrilled at this that they made them a deal that, yeah, we'll do that for you. We'll even upholster the seat for you, but we get the first ride.
1: Oh my goodness!
2: <laughs> People had seen this. These Harley riders, with the, the, you know, you know how they like look sometimes like pirates. Mm-hmm. Not all Harley riders, but you know, and and they were taking in terms of riding round and round the parking lot out front of the Harley dealership. Love it. And these little <laughs> boys and the mum. The end of this story is the mum said to me, "You know, the only there's only a slight problem is it is that my boys love this bicycle so much." That at night we always have to wash off the tires. And I said, Really? Really wash off the tires? She said, Oh yeah, because they bring it, they bring it to bed with them and they, they and they go to sleep holding it. They go to sleep just reaching out with their hands over the over the bike. Now, you see, she could have probably gone into a credit card debt and bought them a, a, a mountain bike. But Jen, just the things that you, just the things that you named, they got, they got a sense of competency. They got, a, they got a sense of planning. They yes. made connections in the community. I've got to think all those things are going to be a small building block to their future lives as young men. And I really admired this mother because she was supporting them doing this. It gave them that sense of anticipation that they couldn't get everything they want now, which is almost un-American, you know, because we order it through Amazon. Yeah, right. And it arrives within like a worryingly short period of time. And what this mum had done is she'd given the kids the gift of anticipation and the gift of competency. You know, when I said that to her, she really did tear up. She just said, well, our lives aren't easy, you know, our lives seriously are not easy, but this is the way we've learned to live. And I just thought, bravo for her, I was sort of slow clapping from the mountains of Massachusetts as, as as she told me that story.
1: You know, the other part is that kids, like all of us, sometimes we have a a want, a desire, and some are fleeting and some are persistent. And you don't necessarily know the difference until you've lived with it. For a while, how many parents your kid has wanted a fill it in a specific toy, a specific pet, a game, fill it in, you get that for them. And then next week, they're tired of it. They're not that into it anyway. Sometimes when you don't meet those needs and wants right away, some will fade away. These kids wanted a bike. And they found a way to make it happen. That is super powerful.
2: What you're putting your finger on there is I think we're we're living in a time where we need to re-establish process, where we need to re-establish that things happen, the seasons happen in a certain order, that there is a process. The things that we have around us have a certain there there is a process to achieving them, for saving up for them, for building them, for and that there is there really is a need because we're living in a time of obviously of rampant consumerism um of very high elevated expectations because so many boys are gaming video gaming now they have a high level of dopamine of reward um and the, and and sort of leveling up and there's this pleasure and reward very quick pleasure and reward cycle yes. and the dopamine centers uh, it's it's very similar to the to the release to the centers of the brain that are activated when cocaine is used very 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 similar so to reintroduce slow process like this it's a little bit difficult particularly if your son is gaming gaming is tremendously difficult for, for a parent we're setting ourselves up for a whole bunch of difficulties when we allow our kids to, you know a, a sort of unfettered use of, of video gaming because it is designed to be addictive this is not an accident absolutely from the from the building blocks up you know from the whole of the design of that app of that game it is designed to be both uh, inculcate OCD obsessiveness and addiction and there's been many many that's well documented that's not some conspiracy theory that is (laughs) that is well 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 known so when we normalize gaming and for girls it's more what I call anti-social networking and I'm not anti-screens I taught information technology IT and computer science in high school for years I'm not I'm not anti-screen but I'm passionately pro-connection what I value is boys having connection to nature. They they just need connection to nature. That's one connection. Then a connection in from that is a connection to to friends, not friending, friends.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Play because boys particularly, um, girls too, but boys have very specific ways of learning to be socially and emotionally. adaptable through their play we take Mm -hmm. we take real live problem solving like human to human problem solving which is which is just another way of talking about play and games away from boys and we deny them much of their opportunity to grow into empathetic socially smart men the third connection Uh, as we sort of in concentric circles get get closer to the core of it is connection to family again i'm not anti-screen but the average american kid between the age of 12 and 18 is subjected now is exposed to nine and a quarter of our nine and a quarter hours of screens per day that is the national average now nine and a quarter hours Mm. per day so that that was um just recent in 2011 the Kaiser Family Foundation study the first one found it was seven and a half uh the common sense media found that it risen to eight and a half and now Kaiser did a follow-up study very recently and they found it's now nine and a quarter now nine and a quarter hours a day if a child is spending even half that those hours you know exposed to screens um, at school and at home then that's that's hours they're not spending in nature it's hours they're not spending playing with kids other kids and learning it's hours they're not spending with family um and it's also hours and this is the core of it um again not anti-screen but I'm passionately pro a child connecting to their own true north Mm -hmm. like their own way of doing things and not the toxic um magnetic north of youth culture for boys so that when they go off to college with their cardboard box in their hand and their backpack on and and you're sitting there and off they're going into the dorms and we all know what happens in the first year of dorms at college you know it's like (laughs) When they're going off to college or when they're going off to their trade or going off traveling that is going to be the, the their ability to actually stay to their own true north so if there's binge drinking going on they sort of think ah oh, you know and they don't feel that they have to always join the crowd if there's drug use going on they don't have to feel they need to join the crowd if they whatever it is if we're built in simplicity and balance to a young boy's life and slowly slowly valued time in nature time with friends time with family what that morphs into because those things are a little bit um external but what they morph into is an inner loci it's almost like that turns itself inside out and as young men they're much stronger much more defined in who they are because I'm, I'm a kind of an old guy now. I'm over six. I just turned 60. And it's like, I've, so I've, I've actually accompanied young men through their 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 lives from when I was a school counselor. And I saw them born. You know, I knew them in the first week of their lives. Yeah. And I'm still in touch with them after all these years. It's very kind of them to still write. And they know me. They write actually cards. They actually write with their you know,
1: actual hands, hands,
2: you remember pens,
1: (laughs) stamps, I'm (laughs) holding mine up,
2: (laughs) look at that, that. and I see them as being self-directed, and the really interesting thing, um, and this may seem like somewhat unrelated, but um, the trade department, trade and industry department, tell us Uh, that um, by 20, actually recently, but by 2030, over 65% of all employment will be self-employed, part-time, project-based. When people talk to me about, oh, Kim, all this simplicity, all this, you know, low screen, because I talk about having low screen or curated screen environments, time for kids to decompress, not overschedule them, get good rhythms in your life, you know, predictability. And they say, well, that's all lovely. But that was the 1930s. That's not mm-hmm. like, oh, that's lovely. And I say, you know what, it's not of the past. Because if you think about what a young man is going to need to do in his future, anyone who's been self-employed knows it takes grit. It takes
1: elimination. <laughs> <It> Janet takes- <laughs> and I are both looking at each other going, Amen. <laughs>
2: Amen. It, does, doesn't it? it Really, it's so true. Mm-hmm. And it never gets you up in the morning. you It's self-creative, self-innovative, and passively sitting at a screen for hours and hours and hours is fairly low in terms of, 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 of giving that to a young man, to a mm-hmm. boy. Having everything done for them and, and being like petty princes is not going to give that to them being overwhelmed by being stuck in too many sports just overwhelmed they don't get enough time to be bored i, I often talk about the gift of boredom for mm-hmm. boys <clears throat> so they can learn to be self-creative so they're not always being edutained so that when they get bored we don't put an ipad in their hand they have to find their own way out of boredom all that builds the emotional pathways literally myelinates physically myelinates it's not just a philosophy it's a hard one i've been a student of kids brain development now for 30 years and it physically neurophysically um myelinates the pathways that lead to independent learning grit determination self-creativity now that is the future what i'm talking about about simplicity and balance is not some anachronistic wish to go back into the past it's actually the future that we give our kids a flying start into the future because that is what that's what the world they're going into will require not might apparently that if the data is true and i've no reason to miss to disbelieve it that is the world they're going into and so we, we don't need to worry about, because we give our children a childhood, we're not disadvantaging them. Because mm-hmm. we're not ending up um, with the, with the neighbourhood folk, because we're not doing ballet on Monday, soccer on Tuesday, then music and piano lessons on Thursday, and then soccer again on Friday, and psychotherapy on Saturday to cope with it all. We're not, we're, we're, because we're not doing that, doesn't mean we're disadvantaging our children. It's a little bit like a marathon metaphor. It's a slow start, but an exceedingly strong finish.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is not only good for your kids, it's good for you as well as the the adults to embrace some of that slowing down and letting go of all the have-tos. And... Think of if your kids aren't doing all those lessons, you're not driving them around to all those lessons.
2: Yeah, no, it's an interesting comment on it because a lot of parents um, will say exactly that. We will do anything for our kids. And once we once we trust our gut instinct and know that like many, many, many yes. at a gut level, this is crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
2: too much. Yet our heads tell us, oh, but everyone else is doing it. And so yep. we've got this dance going on between the, between the two. But once we learn to trust our parental instinct and we do slow it down and not, I'm not saying kids shouldn't have really busy times, even stressful times, they've got to learn to cope with that. But there needs to be times where they, they reset. There needs to be quiet, needs to be balanced. It's not, it's not exactly rocket science. I mean, it's just giving children a childhood. That's all no more, no less. But, Many, many parents have commented, we did this for our kids, but we benefited just as much Mm -hmm. as adults.
1: I suspect that many of our listeners are going to want to know more because this all sounds wonderful. And then you step away from your podcast and back into your busy life and you don't even know where to start, how to implement it tell people um where they can find you and and get that kind of support to really implement this into their lives
2: the place to begin is actually at your own instinct Mm.
1: thank you for that
2: you know it's it's to just sit for a minute and just just instinctually trust that this is like I know everyone else is doing this but can I trust my gut intelligence and say I've got to slow this down a little bit. I've got to have one season for my kids on sports and one season off. I've got to, you know, time to let them decompress. I've got to allow at least 30 minutes a day where they're just doing nothing. I've got to just be able to have the courage to dial back screen use. The more practical aspects of your question, we're just at Simplicity Parenting on, on, you know, on 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 the web, uh, at Simplicity Parenting. Like you guys, I have a podcast called Simplicity Parenting. It's a little bit different because it's um it's very well simple. It'd be ironic if it was
1: <laughs> if it was complicated.
2: <laughs> but it's it's only it's only it's usually ten or twelve minutes. It's just mm-hmm. a little little bite size things and I call it the simplicity diary it's just thoughts that come up uh, through through the week it can be a little bit lonely if you're simplifying and balancing it, it's it's very helpful to know that there's a like-minded group of people out there mm-hmm. that is that is really growing and growing and my um, my dear millennial who handles at my particular podcast said Kim do you know there was one 0.2 million downloads of this last year. Nice. And it's like, no, I didn't. And that's thrilling. And I don't say that out of any sense of vanity. It's just like, it's thrilling that more and more and more people mm-hmm. are starting to understand and question this, this new normal of what is not even vaguely helpful um, for our children's development, social, emotional, and neurological development.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today. I can see Janet's face, listeners. <laughs> Janet is almost um, almost overcome with emotion. Talk about that for a second.
0: It's all just so true. And I've, I'm also a family coach. I have talked with parents about this for years and years. And uh, Jen knows and our listener knows listeners know that I'm a new grandma, I'm a new Oma. And so to watch this next generation growing into this more simple way of being, my daughter is a a Waldorf student. She's totally embraced, you know, simplicity in uh, the number of toys and the time in nature. And I just know that it works. It's survival. It's rejuvenating. We all can embrace it at at our level. Start where we are and look at one thing. What can we change about one thing? What can we simplify in one way? I'm already thinking about ways in my own life that, oh yeah, I've kind of gotten off track in watching too much Netflix over the holidays. Time to dial that back. And I just so appreciate your way of being, Kim, way of bringing this to all of us with such heart and such love. And uh, it's it's phenomenal. and you've you've definitely been an influence in my life, in my teaching, in my coaching, through the years. So I so appreciate you so much. And I'm excited to introduce you to more and more listeners.
2: Thank you, John. That's wonderful mm-hmm. to hear. Congratulations, Omar.
0: Thank you. It's great. So simplicityparenting.com. And I know I, I signed up for your email. I'm already getting great information in my inbox. So thank you for being so organized about that and bringing it in such a way that it's digestible and we can can take it up. Thank you. I hope this has been an inspirational episode for you. If you found value, please share it with a friend. And as always, thank you for supporting our sponsors. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison of boysalive.com.